we are not from here. I understand that a lot of people, I found out that a lot of people that are in York County are from York County. I don't know if you knew that. And by those laughs, I can tell. See, I've learned this. Well, we are not from York County. Uh, we, my wife and I actually grew up in Connecticut, and then we came to York County, first of all, via Bangladesh. Uh, we were in Bangladesh for many years. I first went in 1992, and we were there until 2011, and we were ministering there. I was a teacher. That's how uh, got, I got the visa to be in the country, and I was with ABWE, uh, Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, and working with the churches there, preaching. And then uh, they also have a hospital ministry, and at that hospital is where all three of our children were born. Uh, you see we just have two of them in the picture because... Nadia, the young one, came along much later, and so she's like, I'm not in many pictures in Bangladesh. We're like, yeah, I know. Uh, Anyway, uh, then after that, in 2011, we left Bangladesh, and uh, by the way, I do like showing lots of pictures of Bangladesh because it's one of the most crowded places in the world. Uh, There are many, many people. We lived in the city of Chittagong, about four million people, Uh, and so always we're around Uh, many people there in Bangladesh. But in 2012, we moved to Indonesia, uh, which is also in Asia, of course, and is also a crowded country, although not quite as crowded as Bangladesh, but almost. Uh, We were on the island of Java, and in central Java, we felt like we were in a tiny village because it only had 200,000 people. I mean, if you drove down the mountain, there was a city of a million, but still. uh, There were still many people there, uh, and we were ministering there for seven years from 2012 until 2019, at which point uh, you say, all right, it's 2019, and you're still in Asia, so how did you get here? A great question. Uh, we, I'm, I'm an only child. My dad passed in 2017, and we knew that we needed to be closer than 12,000 miles away from my mother. So we started looking at uh, coming back to the U.S., and in coming back, what could be done? What are the mission fields that are here? And uh, at that time, I was able to join Good News Jail and Prison Ministry, uh, which is the organization which puts chaplains into prisons. By the way, it's also becoming known as Good News Global because it is putting chaplains into prisons not just in the United States but also around the world. So I joined Good News Jail and Prison Ministry and kind of said, uh, well, uh, I don't, we don't really live anywhere, so where do you want to put us? And they said, York, Pennsylvania. I said, great. And then I went to Google and said, what is York? And, uh, and here we are. Uh, we showed up here. So Good News Jail... Uh, its ministry is all around the world. You'll notice, I just point out, especially 22 U.S. states uh, currently there have good news chaplains in, and then also 21 countries around the world is where good news is able to put chaplains into prisons. So prison. So the first thing you think of is, is it like on TV? Uh, Are they all dressed in orange and going around the hallways and things like that? Yes, actually. Uh, That was one of the things I noticed. I was like, oh, it is. It's it's just like TV. TV does a good job of showing prison. Uh, It is like that. Uh, But also, one of the questions is then, are the people on the inside, are they just ready to fight you all the time? And that is not true. Because many of the men in there, and the women as well, Obviously, they don't want to be there. They are looking for something. 
Which brings us to maybe, shall we say, our vision for why we're there. And the vision is to reach every person in York County Prison with the good news of Jesus so that they might become growing disciples of Christ. Now, when you read that statement, you say, that's a great statement, but it seems a bit ambitious because you're in prison. This is true, but God can work. God can change lives. We don't just want to throw a few Bible verses at someone and walk away. We want them to become growing disciples of Christ no matter where they are. And that might mean during their time in prison as well. So a few things I'll share about what we do there. But first, uh, York County Prison. Uh, If you are not familiar with it, uh, you just go up two exits on 30 and get off there, and there's a Royal Farms. And if you look behind the Royal Farms, you'll see some barbed wire fence, and that's us. Uh, It's right there. Uh, And so York County Prison is right here nearby. We have about 1,000 inmates in there uh, right now. That is about 100 100 female inmates, maybe 110, 120 females, and then about 900 male inmates are in there right now. Uh, So about 1,000 total. Now they are there for about an average, we say average, average of 90 days. Now, Many of them are there for around uh, six months, maybe three to six months. They can get uh, a longer time there. The longest that they can do in the county is 11 and a half to 23 months. Uh, so that's the longest county bid that they can get. Usually then when they get sentenced to something longer than that, uh, they will move prisons and go upstate for the rest of their time. Uh, we also have some that are there for just a few days. Uh, This is where they go initially uh, here in York County when they are arrested. When people are arrested, they come here to us. So there they are in the prison. That means we have a wide variety of inmates. We have some that are there on pretty minor charges, and we have some areas that are lower-level security, and we have some that are there on extremely high charges, and they will be with us until they're sentenced and go upstate for the rest of their time. So we have a wide variety of inmates there. But it is, I do like pointing out that the majority of them will be getting out uh, within the next year or something like that. That affects how we minister to them as we look at their future and really want to challenge them in that way. Uh, We also have, of course, many staff members, many people that are working there. Uh, There are hundreds of staff members and CEOs, correctional officers, that are there at the prison. Uh, They're around the clock. They're there all the time, no matter what. Uh, So there's there's a a lot of tension that comes with the job because even though many times they're just standing there and everyone's behaving, there's always that tension of at any moment. Uh, things could escalate, uh, perhaps among the inmates. Sometimes some fight each other, so forth and so on. And so our ministry also includes working with the staff and trying to encourage them and working with the correctional officers and helping them. And so that is, uh, also part of what we do there at the prison. And as far as we, I keep saying we, uh, so there are two full-time male, uh, chaplains there and one part-time female. Uh, so she works with the uh, female inmates, and that her name is Christy. And so Chaplain Christy works with them. And then uh, this summer, uh, Chaplain Mike 
Michael Irvin. He's the guy that's, you can tell me I'm the old guy, so it's the other guy. Uh, he, it, he is local. He's from York County. He played high school football at uh, Red Lion High School. Uh, and he played high school football at Red Lion High with the current warden of the prison, uh, which is, doesn't hurt our ministry to have them uh, be old-time buddies. Uh, but God is using Chaplain Mike here. He was in the military for 25 years and has come back, and God has done a lot of things in his life. And so he's able to also minister there uh, with the inmates. So that is our team. So that brings us to the big question. All right, you're a chaplain. I know you go in the prison, but what do you do? And again, a lot of what we know, you know, about prison is from TV and the movies. And I don't know, it seems like in the TV and the movies that there's always like prison basketball going on or something like that. Uh, So I'm sure you don't go in there and play basketball. Except I do, actually. Uh, so I'm, I'm the only one who does, actually. So we, of course, are not allowed to play basketball or something like that with the inmates. But uh, there in York County Prison, we actually have uh, a few, right at this moment, seven, uh, juvenile inmates. They are under 18 years old, uh, and they obviously have done something extremely serious, because that's why they're in the prison, Um, and there they are. And the prison noticed that these young men were often getting in trouble, and so they would often lose privileges. And so the administration finally said, look, um, is is there something positive we could give them, some sort of positive reinforcement? Hey, that chaplain guy, that new chaplain guy from uh, the other side of the world, didn't he do something with basketball? Let's stick him in the gym with the juvenile inmates. That'd be great. And so they asked me, and they said, uh, how about it? And I said, that'd be great. And they were like, so do you want an officer in there with you? I was like, nah, no problem. Uh, so they give me a radio, but no problem, because if you put a ball in the hands of a young man, then it's all the same all around the world. And it really is. Uh, so I do take the juvenile inmates to the gym, and uh, we, we play basketball together. And for those moments, it's just guys playing basketball. And uh, it's really interesting because we play ball. And then when they get ready to go back, many times, uh, just last week, uh, as we were wrapping up, one of them says, hey, we need to pray. You need to pray for me. I said, anyone else? Well, you need to pray for me. And so there we are having prayer time after playing basketball in the gym. Now that's not my main job to go in and play basketball, but it actually is part of what uh, one of the things that I do in there. So what are the main things that we do? Uh, what do we do there in the prison? First of all, we do have what we like to call a ministry of presence because we are there. Um, very few people can get inside the prison, obviously. And uh, many of the inmates are often feeling very lonely, uh, discouraged. Uh, who do I talk to? There's no one here I want to talk with. Uh, the, the life on the pod is loud. Uh, everyone yelling and so on. And I, Where can I go? Who can I talk with? The chaplains. 
Uh, we have an office there. They're able to come to our office, and we are able to talk with them there. Or uh, sometimes also uh, we are able to go around the prison. So there are some areas of the prison that are higher security than others. Yes, there are some inmates that are in uh, solitary confinement. Uh, they're there either because they misbehaved, uh, got into a fight, something like that, or because of the nature of their crime, uh, they're kept in uh, that area. And so we as chaplains are able to go down there. We are able to go door-to-door down there. Uh, kind of gives a new meaning to door-to-door visitation. But anyway, uh, we, go, we, go, we can go down there and talk with them through the door, pray with them through the door, uh, all of that. And so we are able to do that. And so, again, a big part of our ministry is what we call simply a ministry of presence. And while we're there being present, uh, really the heart of what we do is sitting down, talking with the men, and just giving uh, spiritual guidance and counsel to them. And again, some of that, first of all, means uh, talking to them about a relationship with God. Many of them I ask, so, do you have a history with God? And for many of them, the answer is, uh, well, uh, when I was little, my grandmother took me to church uh, a few times And then, you know, stuff happens. And that's a typical story because uh, many of them did not grow up uh, with their father, with their, even their mother, because of their circumstances. They were tossed around between various relatives. And yes, often it was a grandmother who cared enough to bring them to uh, church. And that little memory is what caused them at this moment in their life to say, I don't know what to do next, but maybe I should talk to that chaplain guy. Because obviously God was important to my grandmother. Maybe there's something there. And so it does wind up that we have a lot of conversations uh, with a lot of inmates uh, just kind of going through, uh, yes, this is who God is. And actually, God actually really loves you. So much so that he sent his son to die for you. And, and his son is risen again. He's alive. And he's alive for you today. And so, of course, uh, the gospel is one of the things that we share. But then there are some that then go beyond that. And so we are counseling them in, in growing in their walk with God. But then also as they look at getting out. All right. What is your life going to look like when you get out? What do you need to do differently? Who are the people that you need to uh, not be with? Who are, how can we find some new people in your life? What can we do about these things? So we provide that counsel and spiritual guidance for them. We also uh, provide Bible lessons for them, access to spiritual books. So we are allowed to have a uh, kind of chaplain's library in there. And with that chaplain's library, we are able to have books that they can get and uh, that they are able to then bring back into their cells and to read that. Then also we have Bible lessons. It's like a correspondence course right there in the prison. They can correspond with us. Between, uh, they take the lessons back to, their, uh, back to their cell block. They work on it there. They send it back to us. We send them the next uh, set of lessons, and they can go through much of the Bible uh, through these lessons. Then also, 
Uh, I it started during COVID because we were limited a little bit in some of the group meetings we could do. And so I started doing some writing and sending them uh, Bible devotionals. Uh, I sent them out. First of all, I started writing them. Uh, you know, when COVID started, I started sending them out, you know, three times a week because this COVID thing's only going to be like a few weeks. So I can do three a week, no problem, for a couple weeks. And then COVID, I don't know if you know, it, it lingered. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I eventually went down to two a week, uh, but I still do uh, devotionals that I send out. Guys sign up for it, and I send it to them throughout the prison. A uh, hundred of them, of these devotionals, were uh, published in a book, and so we also have copies of this uh, that are able to be given to the inmates in the prison. And then also over the last few years, just kind of a lot of conversations that I've had uh, with the inmates kind of got my uh, juices flowing and some of the things kind of said the same things to guys over and over again. And so uh, that also led to uh, this book being written, uh, Turn It Around. And so this is also a book that I wrote and was just published recently. Uh, just put Chaplain Paul because, I mean, if you put Belyasov on there, that just everyone gets conf- confused. So anyway, uh, by Chaplain Paul. But anyway, these are just books to really help the guys focus on what they need to do to really uh, turn it around. So we are providing Bible lessons and spiritual books for them uh, there in the prison. We also do actual Bible studies. So between uh, Christy, Mike, and I, the three chaplains, uh, every block on the prison has an opportunity to have a Bible study. We call them to our office, and we can get up to 12 inmates at a time in our office and have a Bible study with them. And so they, we get them for that, and so they're able to come in and have actual Bible studies where we just go verse by verse through the scriptures and really talk about what it means and so on. Uh, also, we provide the logistics for more services uh, there in the prison, and that's where uh, churches on the outside, like Calvary Bible, uh, come into play because you have a team that comes in and is involved with this. And so then we also have the opportunity for each cell block to uh, have a service that is led uh, by someone from the outside. They come in and they'll do a service or kind of a Bible study with the inmates there. So that way each week, uh, no matter where you are in the prison, you have the opportunity to have a church service and a Bible study, uh, just some opportunities again to really grow in your walk with God. So those are some things that are going on there. Uh, what else do we do? Well, one of the things we do is death notice, notices, death notifications, because what if you're in the prison and someone relative of yours on the outside dies? Who's going to tell you? No one really wants to do that job, so that falls to the chaplains. So we get information about that, and we call... Uh, guys into our office, and we have to share with them that someone that they love has passed. Now, obviously, that can be very difficult. At the same time, it also is an opportunity because at that moment, um, they're definitely thinking about life and death, and that causes them to also think about their life and where they're going. And so there have been a number of men, one of the men who was very faithful in coming to 
uh, Bible study. The whole relationship with him started when I had to share with him uh, about his father dying. And we were able to talk and able to share, and obviously a sad time. But also because Ministry of Presence, I was there on the inside, and that started a relationship uh, with this man who then came, started for the first time coming to Bible study and has been faithful uh, every week in Bible study until he got out this past week. So this is still an opportunity that God can use in people's lives, uh, even though it is difficult. What else do we do? Uh, YDC is the Youth Development Center. Now, these are not the juveniles that are in the prison. These are actually uh, juveniles that are not in the prison. Some of them have gotten in trouble, uh, but others are some of the uh, homeless youth of York County. And York County does have some homeless youth. Usually it's, again, because uh, of an unstable family background. Perhaps they're one of their parents is in prison. Uh, perhaps one or both of their parents are on drugs, and they just are kind of thrown out there. And so they wind up next door to the prison at the Youth Development Center. Uh, and so I'm able to go over there. I go over there once during the week just to play with them uh, during a break from their school time. And then uh, I also get over there sometimes on Sundays where we just have a little bit of Bible study, and it's just something uh, to share a devotional with them, uh, and so it's an opportunity. Life Path is the homeless shelter in uh, York City, and they have a great ministry there because they are representing Christ to the homeless community in the city. Unfortunately, uh, right now, if you read some of the local news, it's really full. Uh, there are many, many... Uh, men and women at the different life path uh, buildings, one for the women, one for the men. At the one for the men, Chaplain Mike, he goes down there every uh, Tuesday evening, and he preaches. They have a service down there, and he, of course, then is able to minister to some of the men in the homeless shelter, but those are some of the men that we've seen on the inside. Now they're on the outside. And when they were on the inside, they kind of lost everything they had. They don't have a job when they're in prison. And when they get out, they don't really have, many of them don't really have anything. And so the first step of getting out of the prison is go to the homeless shelter. Uh, and so that's an ongoing ministry opportunity that Chaplain Mike is able to have by going down to the Life Path uh, shelter downtown. And that does bring us to, well, what about when they get on the outside? Do you ever meet with any of the guys on the outside? Do you ever talk to them on the outside? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, especially those that have been really faithful in attending Bible studies and have been really trying to grow in their relationship with God. Yes, uh, we do try to continue that relationship with them. Uh, and so I do meet with guys on the outside. Um, you might say, okay, uh, is that dangerous. I mean, they were in prison. Uh, is that a problem? Do they then text you at all times of the night? Unfortunately, it actually have the reverse problem uh, for uh, um, most guys. What happens is we do start texting together and maybe I'm able to bring them to coffee or something like that. And then I start texting them some more and I don't hear anything back because it is really hard to have new life habits 
uh, once you're on the outside and are back in some of the same situations that you were in before. And so uh, we actually are really trying to connect more with guys on the outside. Uh, And we really pray that God would continue to guide that ministry of connecting with them on the outside. And just so so you know, uh, are the majority of guys then that you talk with on the outside, do most of them fall off or wind up back in prison? Uh, many do. Are there any success stories? There are. There are a few success stories of, of guys that are still on the outside that I still text with and that are still growing in their relationship with God. So that is a good thing also. So pray for these men as they get out, uh, just really to continue with some of the things that they've been studying on the inside as well. So that right there is a little bit of an overview of what we do there in the prison. Uh, And so when you do think of jail, when you do think of that, uh, you can think of us and pray for the ministry there and pray for these men because, yes, Uh, Many times they are there with not much to do. And I should say the women also, again, Chaplain Christie is working with the female inmates. And so we just work with the men. But yes, many times they are sitting there with not much to do. And we do have Bibles that we give out. And they're looking through this book called the Bible. And maybe for the first time, they're really reading it and really being introduced to who God truly is and about God's love for them. So what about us? What about our needs for the ministry there? First of all, uh, prayer. Definitely be praying for the ministry. And uh, when you think of prayer, we'll talk a little bit tonight. I'll be back this evening, as I mentioned, and I'll talk about that a little more specifically at that time. But definitely overall pray for the ministry, for the opportunities and so on. And as the Apostle Paul said, pray for open doors. Not those open doors. I know it's prison, but, but spiritual open doors, spiritual open doors. Um, and a spiritual open door is when someone is really thinking about the things of God. I know I've, I've, I've told before about a guy named Frank who came into my office and uh, sat down across from me and just looked down on the ground. And he said, uh, I know that God forgives but I don't know if he can forgive me. Now that is an open door. Because that's why Jesus came. He came so that we can find forgiveness, not because we deserve it, but because of God's great love for us. His love for us, that he loved us so much, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that is an open door. And there are open doors. There are clear evidences. Sometimes they write requests. And we see, I get requests. Just a few weeks ago, I got one. Dear chaplain, I would like to see you. I need to get my life back on track with God. Well, that's easy. That's an open door. And so those are wonderful opportunities that God provides. So pray for open doors into the hearts of the inmates. Uh, Also, we are not paid by York County. Uh, So what Good News uh, does as a ministry 
is it looks at these prisons and jails and realizes that every one of them, in order to satisfy the legal uh, requirements, needs to have some sort of chaplain in there. But because of budget constraints, many facilities may only have uh, one chaplain, which there are certain requests and things we have to do, and that would be overwhelming for one chaplain. The job would be overwhelming for one chaplain, and we wouldn't have time for the Bible studies and all those other things that we do. Uh, Or they might just get any kind of religious person uh, to be the chaplain. Uh, You could even have a Muslim chaplain. I mean, just anybody to do it. So what Good News does is it goes to the facility and says, look, you need a chaplain. Let us provide you with a chaplain, but not just with one. Let's just give you a couple of them so they can really minister there, uh, but it won't cost you anything. And so the facility says, that sounds like a great deal, and then we have the freedom to really minister. And again, with the three of us in there, we are able to run these programs and do all these things as they should. And so all of that happens because we are supported by people on the outside and by churches on the outside. And that's where uh, we just thank you for your role in keeping us in there. Uh, You talk a lot about uh, missionaries to hard-to-reach places in the world. Uh, Prison is a hard-to-reach place. Uh, And so you are helping provide for the ministry in there. So thank you so much for your support there. Now, in closing, I wanted to take a couple minutes for questions, but not yet. Uh, Pastor Joe talked a little bit about, um, you know, sharing about the ministry and all of that, but then also about sharing about um, what about missions? This is kind of a missions emphasis Sunday. And uh, what about missions? I mean, we hear sometimes about the call, right? The call to missions. Um, have you been called? Uh, what does that mean? Um, what is all this missions thing about? Uh, so really quickly, with some very familiar vo- uh, verses, let me just share a couple things about the call. And really, in some ways, this is uh, reflective of how I got involved in these ministries in the first place. First of all, this call thing. Did you know that you have already been called? To join God in his mission to this world? How about that? We've already been called. Now, there are many verses that talk about that, but most famously in Matthew chapter 28, we have the Great Commission. And uh, in Matthew chapter 28, we read these verses, uh, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now that's discipleship. That is teaching, training, all nations. That's all kinds of people groups, everybody. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I'd be more involved, but I haven't been called yet. And I say, but we have. It says it right there. So as far as the call to be involved in missions, that's us. We've already been called. Well, 
I don't know, when we hear missions, we think of some far-off place like Bangladesh and Indonesia. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Those are faraway places and have many needs, but we don't have to go there, right? Because, again, we've been talking here about York County Prison, and we've been talking about guys in here that get out and live right in our communities. And in case you didn't know, uh, there was this thing, you know, I read about it when I was overseas, that there was this thing called the opioid crisis, uh, and, and it is alive and well uh, here in our country. And the drug abuse problem affects many lives, and many, many, many of the people in York County Prison are there because of either some drug-related offense or because of their addiction, they've made some other bad choices. That's a big thing. That's not some faraway thing. That's people living right around here. And God has to be the answer for that. And so when we think of place, uh, I do think of Acts 1.8, which shares with us again the call, another call for us to share with the world. But in Acts 1.8, again, a familiar verse, we read this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice all those places are mentioned in the same verse. There's no one that's greater than another. Someone who goes to the other side of the world, fantastic, but that person is just as much a missionary as someone who goes next door. Because in Acts 1.8, it's all right there in the same verse. These people were living right there by Jerusalem. And he says, yeah, you're going to be witnesses. And you're going to go so far away, you're going to go to Jerusalem. Oh, that's right here. Yes, it is. It is right here. Not only that, you're going to go to Judea and Samaria. And Judea is the area right around here. And Samaria is also right around here, although you don't really like those people too much. But nonetheless, you need to go to those people. That's what Jesus was telling them. And he says, yes. If you're able to go beyond, fantastic. Go beyond, because ultimately we do need to go to the ends of the earth. So missions, where does missions take place? Down the street, next door, as well as on the other side of the world. And so what about missions? Okay, well, all right, you're talking about missions and all this stuff. Well, then I need a missions degree, and I need, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, like, Preach, and I don't know if I'm a preacher or something like that. Well, interestingly enough, uh, Jesus commented on this in John chapter 4. And again, just real quickly, um, in John chapter 4, which is, is such an important chapter, and I'll actually share a few more verses from John 4 this evening. But in John 4, Jesus is talking to this woman at a well, and he's sharing with her about the hope that we have in, in God because of Jesus Christ. And his disciples come along, and uh, they have a discussion about ministry. And in uh, John chapter 4, starting in verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white, For harvest, already 
the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. So he's giving his disciples this picture of a field, and he's saying, look, the field is ready for harvest, but it's not a field of fruit or grain. It's a field of people, and it's ripe for harvest right now. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. What does that mean? That means Jesus is saying, we're just coming along right now, and we're seeing these people come. And in the context of John 4, this woman was bringing other people from her village to hear Jesus. This is great. And so Jesus is sharing with his disciples and saying, look, guys, we are reaping the harvest of God right now. But you know what? We didn't come here and sow the seed. God's already been at work. God was at work a long time ago. And, you know, what's interesting in the conversation with the woman, she says, I know that Messiah is to come. Who told her that? Someone else. Someone a long time ago was setting the stage for this day where she would meet Jesus and where many in their village would meet Jesus. What does that mean for us today? That means that as we clearly see that whether we are sowing or whether we are reaping, it's all part of God's work. That means that people are watching us. People are seeing who God is by watching us. And someone may have no idea, what is this church thing? Who is this Jesus? I don't know. And you may not be a preacher, but you might be right there at that time. You might be the one that they know. Don't you go to church. And you know what they know about church is maybe what all they know is from what they see in your life. And how you are talking with them and what you are sharing with them. That's part of missions. That's missions. Wherever we go, whatever we are doing, we are representing Jesus. That's missions. And so Jesus here is actually, of course, giving credit to those sowers. He says, we're just entering what they already started. It doesn't matter where we are on that, li- on that line of harvesting. We might be at the very beginning and just planting the ideas of Jesus in someone's life. And we may not know the end result, but God does. And God can use us, no matter what, in various situations to be sharing with the world around us. So this call to missions, kind of already had it. We're kind of already called. Well, I don't know where to go. Good news. Acts 1.8 says you can be anywhere in the world. That also means right here. Good, we've got that covered. Well, I'm not a preacher. Well, guess what? There's lots of things and lots of ways that we can share Christ with the world around us. And so as we think of this Mission Sunday, we definitely are all a part of this same team of serving God together and sharing his word with the world around us. So those are just a few thoughts today. Uh, Let me... uh, Have a word of prayer, and then, I don't know, if we have four minutes, we can take a few questions, but let me close at least this time uh, with a word of prayer.